Welcome, everybody. This is Chance Pratt with Living the Guide Life podcast. And today I'm going to give you a little story about Jason Lesmeister and what living the guide life means to him. Moose, brown bear, and fishing the Kenai River up in Alaska. Now, for future episodes, we're going to be going through guides all across North America from every spectrum, waterfowl hunting, big game hunting, fishing, and etc. We'll see where this takes us, as many guests as we can have on here. And uh, if you're looking to tell your story, I'm open ears. I'm looking to meet a bunch of new people and just build relationships as much as I can. So thank you for everyone listening, and uh, here we go. Hello, everyone. This is Chance Pratt with Living the Guide Life podcast, and I'm here with Jason Lesmeister from Alaska with Jason's Guide Service hunting brown bear and moose. What's up, Jason? Oh, not much. Hey, you know what you do realize is Jason's Guide Service just provides uh, fishing on the Kenai, and then when I go hunting brown bear and moose, I hunt for two different outfits. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's not my business. Yeah. I'm just showing up. I'm a hired gun. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, who do you guide for? Uh, for moose and uh, uh, for for moose, I guide for High Peak Adventures, Jeff Burwell, and for brown bear, I hunt for Blue Mountain Lodge, Tracy Brown. Okay. Okay. Um, what? got you into guiding moose and brown bear like what got you here i just wanted to hunt and fish that's all i ever wanted to do so the best place to do it was alaska and africa and i came to alaska first so fair enough yeah what was your uh journey to get up to alaska because you grew up in minnesota and what took you there like Oh, I don't know. I went to Ely, Minnesota to guide in the Boundary Waters. And I worked at a resort. And uh, for a guy that did trips in the Boundary Waters in the summer and the winter, it was really boring. Fishing walleyes out of canoes all the time was pretty boring. <laughs> the highlight was in the fall when you could fish the big pike yeah. in the bays and hunt grouse and ducks. That's why I went to Alaska. I wanted to hunt and fish, not just do one or the other. So after a season of that, I went back down to the cities and tried college for about a minute at Harvard on the highway. That's <laughs> Normandale for all you that don't know. And then uh, that didn't last. Played a lot of pinball, Adam's family pinball. So then I got a job at a consulting firm, and that was really boring. Um and so then I looked up the Alaska Chamber of Commerce and the Alaska Professional Homes Association and got a list of all the guides up here for fishing and hunting, and more like hunting and fishing. And then uh, I think I said 77 uh, letters up here, resumes, trying to get hired. 
four people responded, and uh, or six, maybe four that first year. Okay. I took the first job offer, which was $25 a day, and room and board. And the room was a tent, and the board was whatever you killed. So <laughs> not, not a lot of food. And that was a start for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that shows you if you just message a bunch of people that somebody's somebody will get back to you, no matter what the cost oh, is. Oh, yeah, there's, uh, oh, there's somebody always needs somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now starting wages are a little better than 25 bucks a day for the most part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully you're getting fed a little better than what I'd eat. Absolutely. And you did some snow goose hunting down in South Dakota and stuff, right? Because that's how you met Dan, which is a mutual yep. friend of ours. Yep. Nebraska and South Dakota. I got you. Yeah, because that's a... That was, that's fun. It's grueling. That one's a grind. It uh, it wears on you. You know, I thought spring bear hunting was the longest day hunting. It's not. Snow goose hunting is. <laughs> Just because there's a little more physical. I mean, if you're doing it right, you're maintaining your spread yeah up and down all day long from dark to dark absolutely yeah dan was telling me about it when we were out in south dakota this past two weeks and he was talking about how he'd switch the spread drive 45 minutes up north and follow you and then it's up all night yep yep a lot of work it's not it's the thing. Everybody thinks if you're going to be a guide, you're just going to fish and hunt. Yeah. <laughs> you're the guy doing all the work so that people can fish and hunt. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, for bear, the season's during the spring, right? Up there? It's both spring and fall, depending on the area. It's sometimes it'll open up in August or September and stay open until the end of May. Okay. Or if you hunt brown bear where I hunt or guide for brown bear, then it's uh, in the even years it's may and on the odd years it's fall okay so on may and october this year i'll be hunting in may yeah assuming the coronavirus doesn't have people on lockdown yeah exactly i mean it's just wild people just got to stay inside and not do anything yeah it's too bad yeah not ideal i mean it'd be better if it was during the fall then i could get outside and hunt but i have nothing to do I can go fish. Yeah. <laughs> well, now all the ice is getting thin, so certain spots go is a little tough. The, go fish the rivers. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so. That's all you got. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. We could do a little. I've been doing a little trout fishing, but not much. The spots that are open, at least. But, but for uh, moose, is that during the fall, correct? Yep, that's in September. Okay. And for people that are coming up to Alaska to try to be a guide, what are some recommendations you'd give them? Work hard. Just be prepared to be the, the lackey when you come up here and you start off. You're the guy washing the dishes and the digging holes for the outhouse and all the jobs that nobody else wants. That's what you get to do. And uh, your average lifespan of packers about half a summer or summer yeah you know are 
So it's, you know, and then your average guide, if they make it, lasts like three to five or six years. And that's about it. There doesn't seem to be a lot of longevity. Yeah. It's hard to find people that actually want to be a career professional guide. Yeah. Because um, you got to put your time in. And like last year at the end of the fishing season, we had, we had a forest fire all summer. So at the end of the year, they closed the river down. Now in March and April, when I should be catching big rainbows, this coronavirus has people staying in their house. You know, so there's a lot of variables like that that can affect you. Uh, yeah. It's no industry to get into if you want to get rich. Um, there's also guide schools out there, if, depending on what you want to do. I know the hunting ones are more around, you know, um, revolve more around a lot of pack animal stuff where um, the fishing stuff, a lot of them, depending on what you're going to do, will teach you how to run a drift boat and uh and do a lot of stuff you know with fly rods or any rods knots yeah. that kind of stuff you know any of those schools are, are good they make you a little better or more but the reality is you just got to put your time in and learn you know your your first three years four years you're more of a liability than an asset if you're around <laughs> after that you become an asset yeah you know that's kind of how it works oh absolutely and what's your biggest drive to be a guide up there that's all I've done my entire adult life is guided. I don't even know anything else. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I do, a little, I do a little bear guard work, but that's pretty boring, you know. And something you do and you can't guide. And most of the time, the bear guard stuff that's busiest is during guide season. And yeah. So your, your bear guides are just washout guides, guides that can't handle the heat. So. Um, but when those opportunities come up, I do that as well. Otherwise, I just fish and hunt these days. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. And what is some people, uh, for the people that you guide, what should people be prepared for, like when they're coming to moose hunt and brown bear hunt? Well, it's two different worlds. My, the moose hunting I do is the easiest, cushiest moose hunting there is. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we spend our you know nights in a cabin or a big wall tent with with wood stoves or propane heaters, <laughs> and we drive around in Argos and to the top of the mountains, you know. Yeah, find what we want and then go call it in or stock it. So that's pretty cushy. Yeah. So you know, for that hunt, probably just need a good rifle and good gear. For moose hunting, you need to prepare, your, or for bear hunting, you need to prepare yourself for the worst weather ever. And, uh, you know, the, the probability that on a 10-day hunt, you might spend nine of them on a wet, windy hill looking for, you know, that one bear. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is there something... Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, my days of sheep and caribou and all that are over. You know, I fish too much to hunt everything anymore. You know, in my early years, I hunted everything. And yeah. Most people that, you know, come on these hunts, work too much to be in great shape. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so your the downfall is your physical ability, but you really, people lose it mentally, not physically, you know, on a hunt. Yeah. You can do anything. It just takes longer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that. Well, so, what would you say your most important tool is when you're guiding? Well, your brain. <laughs> you know, it's, you need to be, when you're a good guide, you're, you're part psychologist. 
<laughs> you know, the easiest, the easiest part of all that is the fishing and the hunting or the hunting yeah. and the fishing. That is super easy. It's what you, should come naturally to you. Yeah. It's the ability to do everything you need to do and get somebody an animal, you know. So let's say on a spring bear hunt in Alaska, you know, in theory, you can start glassing at about 4.35 in the morning and you can go until around midnight. Oh, wow. And when you first start out early in the year, depending on where you're at, you might not have quite that much light, but by the end of it, you definitely do. So, you know, when you manage managing people and time and, and knowing when you need to be hunting and it's hard to get somebody to sit down on a hill for you for 16 hours a day every day yeah and you know figuring out how to get the most out of people to, so because you can help them get their animals probably the hardest part even in the fall now you're you're trading daylight for bad weather you know so you don't have as much daylight but you got tons of shitty weather so yeah yeah how do you talk somebody into sitting on a hill when it's blowing 50 and raining sideways <laughs> pretty hard <laughs> but that's what you got to do if yeah. you want to kill a big bear so oh yeah now what's what's like one of the have you ever had any close attacks with bears while you're out there you know a lot of your closest encounters are the ones you don't want to shoot you know when you're sneaking up like this year twice in one stock had uh or not you're afraid that twice in one day on the same bear i went after him in the morning a little nine footer so the big bear nothing huge yeah and we had a sow pop out right on top of us at like 15 yards oh and she wouldn't let us just walk around and she was hissing at us and snapping and Wolfing and just being, you know, ordinary old sow. Yeah. And so you're just stuck. Like, you don't want to have to shoot her because you want the big boy. Yeah. And then she finally, we kind of got around her and she kind of walked off. <laughs> so we lost that bear. We crossed the creek in front of us at like 160 yards. Didn't have a good shot. Disappeared in the brush. So later that evening that same bear came out about where it went in the brush and started working its way up the river again so this time we went up to set up on him and uh, as we're creeping into position we see another bear walk down to the river and this one's a big old sow and she, and she went ballistic on us too <laughs> and now we, now we got the big bear at like 50 yards um, looking at us so we don't have a good shot at him we don't have a broadside shot we got her across the river from us like literally you know 17 yards away yeah going apeshit roaring at us and snapping her teeth and her ears go back and you know more aggressive and I'm like oh my gosh I might have to shoot her <laughs> so you know and then you got to keep your guy calm enough your hunter calm enough to get the animal and you got to make sure nobody gets hurt yeah <laughs> you know it's <laughs> And then I've had them, you know, where you wounded bears that you're going to get, charge you, you know. Yeah, that'd be. Um, then you got to shoot them, but that doesn't happen every day, you know. Yeah. It happen. It happens enough to where you're, you have a healthy um, respect for them bears. Put it that way. If you don't, you're crazy. Yeah. 
Oh, 100%. Do you mainly rifle hunt or do you bow hunt up there too for them? Well, guiding, I'll take bow hunters or, or you know, any weapons you want. I don't care if you bring a spear, a <laughs> pistol, a bow, a rifle, a crossbow, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of, we get a lot of bow hunters, moose hunting, it seems like. Um, nobody likes taking bow hunters that much for the most part in Alaska. It's, uh, um, you know, primitive weapons, primitive results usually. Yeah. So, but it's not hard. It's the moose. I think brown bears, when there's a good food source, are the easiest things to bow hunt because moose are in tall brush and a lot of guys shoot high and wound them. Okay. Um, and so they don't, they're always aiming high because they're trying to get above the brush. And, uh, but, you know, if you have two guides and a hunter, then it's really nice moose hunting. You just get the hunter into the, into the spot. And, you know, there's no indecision when you separate them. You can't always count on the guy to do exactly what you want him to do. Yeah. We're brown bear hunting you right there. I mean, they might have to finish it a little ways. Um, which makes it nice, and then you don't usually have as much brush to try to get them in a blueberry patch or a, a salmon stream. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. How close are the shots? Like, are they like forty yards, fifty yards kind of deal? Um, well, not on bears. I mean, it's bears. It's about twenty yards max. You, you know, you're using no aluminum arrows. Yeah, you know, heavier stuff. Even the guys that shoot a long ways, it's not. It's about getting enough energy, and you know those, those arrows kill shit, man. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> close range. You do a lot more than a, a bullet, um, but you still got to put your your arrow where you want it to be. Yeah, you know, the closest I ever had anybody shoot a bear or a bow kill was a four yards, a brown bear at four yards. Jeez, that was. That was scary, you know. I mean, I've got a big gun, and <laughs> you're still a little bit scared. I don't mean like chicken shit scared. I mean healthy scared. Yeah. But, um, you know, you know that in one wrong move, and you're dead. So <laughs> I couldn't that, imagine that. But even the moose, you call them the big bull moose, and you'd be amazing how fast and athletic those things are. It's crazy. Yeah. They, they can be on top of you in a second too, as well. Yeah, I had a moose out in Montana when I was fly fishing, like, try to bluff charge me, kind of. And do you have that happen a lot up in Alaska with moose? You know, only with cows and calves for me when they've got calves that are newborn and you get too close, they'll try to run you down for sure. Yeah. That's scary. The ground shake. (laughs) Yeah, it it kept me on my toes. It was a nice cow and she was just walking down the river kind of came at me a little bit and decided to I'd fish the other side yeah they, they don't mind water yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was interesting but cool time and what's probably your favorite thing about guiding up there I just eat outside every day you get to meet a lot of nice people you know uh you'd experience first times a lot because you know you kind of forget you get a little jaded for me when i go rainbow fishing yeah i'm wanting to get a huge giant rainbow that's you know 30 inches and 
when they're less than 26, I'm trying to shake them off the hook, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then you go out with somebody that's never caught a rainbow and they get that 16 inch rainbow and they get the best fish in the world. And it kind of puts it to perspective again that, yeah, you know, they're all, they're all special. Oh yeah. You know, or you just, you know, you call a moose into a guy that shoots at 15 yards and all of a sudden he wants to book a moose on every year for the next 10 years. You know, it's fun <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah. And for the tags up there, are they, um, easy to get or are they pretty hard to get? No, it's, you know, it depends on where you're trying to hunt. I mean, they have draws just like everywhere else. Otherwise it's just over the counter. Okay. Super easy. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, you know, I know some places are like preference points down here in like Wyoming and stuff. And I didn't know if it was the same deal up there. No, I mean, there's no preference points at all. It's just random drawing. And, uh, I mean, you got some draws, they tell you what your chances of getting them, like some are 1%, some are 90%, you know, it just depends. Yeah. So. What area, is your area pretty easy to get them in? Yeah, it's all over the counter. Okay. That's convenient then. You, you, you go online and buy a license and get a tag and everything. It's just on, on the computer. Okay. So we have 26 units up here, so. Yeah, that's quite a bit. And inside of each unit is a subunit, like A, B, C, D, yeah. E. And so in each site, so you have each unit has its own laws, and each subunit in a unit has its own laws. So it, it can get confusing as to, you know, what you can do, where you can do it, and how you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. What are, since you've been uh, trout fishing the last few years and stuff, have you had any, uh, encounters with like flipping a boat or anything out on the river no i uh i'm a highly trained professional yeah so i i go down in a drift boat the best i mean the i think class four would be the biggest rapids i do on the key deck. okay and, and you know usually there's a two or a three they've got to, it's got to be the right condition to bump them up to a four yeah and uh, for the most part, it's just all mellow, easy, easy going. It's super easy. It's more about, uh, you know, the control of your boat is just more about fishing good. Okay. The good form, you know. Yeah. Or drift boat. I grew up in Minnesota. You know, so, I mean, it's, from the time I can sit on my dad's knee, I run a power boat. I can <laughs> run a po- any power boat on any body of water, whether it be a jet boat, super shallow water, or a, a big ocean boat. I can drive all those. Yeah. Um, but my favorite is rowing a drift boat. Just going down the river. It's it's a different kind of fishing. It slows you down, kind of puts you more, uh, you just kind of one with the whole drift in the river and you kind of get into that drift and the float and you kind of start looking at all the water different and changes the way you fish and how you fish it's fun it's a little more intimate yeah how many people can you put on your drift boat when you're out there you know i can put five in front of me to fish if i wanted to oh wow um but it's, it's just too many you know fours four is the max we have four seats okay you can do four and then see when i'm trout fishing i like to just have two you know, or fishing silver, so I like to have two. Yeah. Because then you, then you have a lot of freedom of, you know, that doesn't matter if you're fly fishing or spin fishing, two is best. Yeah. But we can fish fine or four, no problem. It's just a more coordinated effort uh, when we do it all the time. 
Yeah. Yeah, are you are you mainly fly fishing up there or I do both. Fishing? You know, a lot of guys want to fly fish and it's something new that you like if they're in Alaska they should fly fish. Yeah. And other people want nothing to do with a fly rod. So it doesn't matter to me. I grew up in Minnesota, so I use I grew up with a fender on my hand, you know, and uh, a baitcaster, so I have everything. Yeah. And I've got so many rods and reels, it's silly. Really <laughs> good fly fishing. So my thing is, when you've done this as long as I have, you're going to take and have a lot of great days and have a lot of slow days and a lot of days in the middle, you know, because just because you're a guy doesn't mean you can automatically pull rabbits out of your hat when nobody else can. Yeah. You know, when you're fishing in a fair chase manner on a, you know, natural fishery that doesn't have stocked fish, there's slow days and fast days. So yeah, my, my deal is I just provide the best of everything for my fishermen. It's uh, because, you know, you, my theory is you control the controllables because Mother Nature throws you a lot of curveballs. So you get all Loomis rods, whether you're spin fishing or fly fishing. You get all Shimano reels if you're spin fishing. You get all lamps and reels if you're fly fishing. Yeah. The only, the, only the best line, you know, Power Pro braid, Sunlined, fluorocarbon, um, Royal Wolf and Scientific Angler fly line. Still use that Scientific Angler. Uh, the Sunline fluorocarbon for um, for the leader line, but it's all super expensive and it's all the best. But that's what people deserve, you know. They got so many options. Yeah. To pick a guy, and they pick me. So I'm gonna give them the best every time. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. What's the biggest fish you've pulled out of the Kenai? Oh, probably be a silver salmon. I don't even know. I mean, biggest rainbows. That I've ever had a client catch would be 31 and a half inches. Jeez. Um, you know, that's that fish is big. Yeah. It goes over 15 pounds. <laughs> um, this super fat slob. You know, you're always going for that 30 inch rainbow, and then, you know, salmon, everybody wants salmon. So your, your biggest sockeyes, the big ones are like 12 pounds probably. You might get one or two a year bigger than that. But for the most part, 12 would be big. And for the silvers, your big ones are, you know, 15, 16 pounds. Yeah. And I don't fish the kings just because they're almost in such peril. I'll try to. There's usually more fishermen than kings anyway. So okay. I just stick with the rainbow trout, the Dolly Varden char, and the sockeye, and the silver salmon. That's what I go for. Yeah. And how big of a stretch do you go down when you fish the Kenai? Like, how long are your well, trips? I do, the, I do the upper river, and that's, you got like 17, 18 miles of river broke down into three boat ramps. The first two are, uh, first stretch is eight miles, seven, eight miles. The second stretch is four or five miles. The next stretch is like four or five miles through the canyon, which dumps you out to ski line. It's kind of a longer boat ride and a drift boat back to the boat ramp and then I do the Metal River from Skelac Lake all the way down to Centennial Park which is in Soldatna there's a lot of boat ramps along that and I'll do any section of that too so I mean so one day you might be fishing 4 miles 5 miles of water the next day you might do 13 the next day you might do 17 or 20 you know yeah. it just depends on where you, where you fish and what's happening in the river yeah 
What would you say your best time of year to fish is up there? My favorite time is September and October. Be, you know, the weather's a little cooler, but that's when all your salmon are spawning that have come up in the summertime. So you got a good trout bite going on. And then you have um, all your silver salmon and pinks, depending on the year, coming up to spawn and spawn as well. So you you got a lot of good silver salmon fishing as well as big trophy trout fishing when they're biting. It makes for some good good stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet. Any anytime's good. You know, March and April are about my favorite months for just trout because nobody's up here. There's some nice trout that are you know hitting their kind of pre-spawn mode, coming in to feed before they spawn, and that makes for some good fishing too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Do you have a lot of uh, kids that come up with like family oh, yeah. trips, kind of? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, most of your summer, most of my summer, I'm in sockeye salmon and trout until you know the end of august and then i'll start fishing silver salmon and trout yeah and uh a lot of people that come up here and want salmon it's because they've never caught one anywhere else and can't catch one anywhere else um but you get a ton of people that come up here that just want their trophy rainbow fishery you know <laughs> that's that's awesome because you know our trips are half day trips which are four hour trips and that's where you get a lot of your families that have young kids to the half day trip and then we do the eight-hour trip. That's where your more serious fishermen come do those. So it's uh, it's good to see the families, and it's good to see the women because it's you know the industry needs more kids fishing and needs more women fishing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you ever have any uh, kids go uh, moose hunt or brown bear hunt? Have you ever had any? Sometimes ago, this last fall, we had a kid. He's eighteen. Uh, just come and watch the dad hunt. Yeah. You know? Even that's still awesome to see. Yeah. Another hunting family. So that's good. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. What? What's your uh, biggest moose ever up there that you've seen? Uh, you know, there's the, how you can, most people just, just equate moose to spread, which is, yeah. you know, would be 72 inches, but... That's a small part of the equation. It's how much they, you know, depending on the way the Boone and Crockett scores them, too, is kind of goofy. That's more about, you know, overall just paddle length and width is more than about anything else. So, I don't know. I mean, some of my biggest bulls that scored the highest were their lower to mid-60s, you know. Okay. So, generally, you're trying to find a bull that has – you know, around a 60-inch spread, but it has a lot of points. Okay. All paddles, wide paddles, big brow times, you know. That starts bringing everything together where they score high and look big. Yeah. What do you look for in a bear? Oh, you're looking to see how big you want a big bear, a 10-footer. So you do just how you size them up to make sure that they're a boar and everything like that. You know, you're looking at their shoulders, their head. Okay. Uh, body shape all that stuff yeah. the shape of their front legs all these different things I'll tell you if they're boy or girl okay. we try to shoot boars and we try to shoot old big boars you know there's no science to 
to judging bears, sometimes you got to look at a bear a little bit to figure out exactly how big he is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully you just, some guys categorize bears, small, medium, large, extra large. They don't want to have to tell you that he's nine foot or nine, six or nine, eight or 10, you know, cause you tell a guy it's 10 foot bear and it's nine, nine. You're, you're a jerk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're better off just kind of sticking to a class of animal. You know, when you're judging bears, nine and a half class. Yeah. That one's big. He's, you know, over nine foot, but not quite ten. You know, that kind of. And then you might get somebody that wants a ten foot bear bigger. Well, then you got to be prepared to go home without a bear, too, you know. Oh, yeah. They're not for, they don't crawl out from behind every rock. So. <laughs> Yeah. What's your average like length that people come for per day? Of uh, fish or bears? For or ba- for bears and like moose and stuff like that. So you just say most people want a nine foot bear bigger when they're hunting where we're at. Or at least they do till the first bad weather comes through. Yeah. They might change. Yeah. Um, most people want a moose that's 60 inches or bigger. You know, uh, when people fish, they usually just want a limit of salmon. <laughs> yeah. And if they're, if they're trophy trout fishermen, then like, you know, 25, 24, 25, 26 inches or bigger. Yeah. With 30 being, you know, 30 or bigger being the holy grail. Yeah. Yeah. What are the average, like, lengths of trips people make up there for, like, moose and bear? Is it like a week or? No, those are 10-day hunts, you know. Um, the way our moose hunts go, you get a moose, you leave. So usually you're there for one or two days, okay. sometimes three or four at the most. Um, brown bear can go one to 10 days, depending on the. And then uh, fishing, you know, people do one day where I'm at, you know, one day, three days, you know, they might fish with me a day and then go to the ocean for a day, yeah. then fish with me a day and then go do a Kenai Fjords tour for a day and then come back and fish with me a day or fish with me a couple days and then, you know, I kind of help do other stuff as far as saltwater stuff and, you know, any other eco to style tourism. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for the length of time for bears um so when they're looking for like a 10 foot bear does that usually take a while like do you have to keep coming up usually to try to get one yeah, of those depends. you know i've gone out and got a 10 foot bear seen them the first 20 minutes and less than an hour into the hunt first day of the hunt had them dead you know yeah and i've also not got them at all in a hunt or even seen one on the hunt i got him on the last day too you know it's yeah it's fair chase hunting so there's no there's no real there's no such thing as averages really yeah you know, other than you take the average size of the bear but even some years you see more bigger bears than others and some years you have better hunters than others you know better being physically capable or better shots or you know mentally stronger and willing to sit out there and endure to get a big one you know where some guys love the idea of a 10 foot bear yeah are happy with a nine foot bear and after the first storm comes through we'll shoot any bear so they can get the hell out of there you know <laughs> and things like that don't help your averages uh but then the next year you might have some guys that are just gung-ho diehards and they hunt hard and suffer and then they all get big ones and then you know so yeah there's fluctuation like that and then there's just some years are better than others some years the spring starts really cold the bears don't move and 
or other years there's you know not a lot of salmon or berries and then the next year there's berries and salmon everywhere and you know the, the warm spring so it's it's mother nature it's fair chase yeah. that's what makes it that's what makes it challenging and fun and interesting so yeah and how big of like acreage do you guys hunt for moose and brown bear and stuff like that do you guys have a certain area that you hunt that's well i hunt on all private land moose hunting and so that's we have like over 500 square miles oh wow uh, on the bear hunts we hunt in the refuge a couple different refuges so we have exclusive guide rights okay not not hunting rights but guide rights to another over you know over 500 square miles so wow that's pretty neat a lot of country yeah a lot of country that's a lot of that's a lot of places you can look for a bear sure is yeah and what are some of the different personalities you see of like people that come up there oh you see everything you know your easiest guys to deal with are the ones that do a lot of guided trips they they know what to expect and they know when they're getting good you know a good setup and when they're not so they're the easiest yeah because you know they've, they've been on enough trips to know that you have slow times and fast times yeah and and then you get the guys that have never done anything before and they think like, they hire a guide miracles happen <laughs> and uh you know that that's always interesting but for the most part, everybody that comes up is coming because they want to have a good time. So yeah. You have, you know, people that are pretty happy to be there. So it makes for some fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's fun to meet new people and do that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I think that covers it for me on mostly everything I wanted to go over today. And, uh, is there anything else you'd, you think you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, if you want to go fishing with me, you can go to jasonsguideservice.com and look at my website. Perfect. That's jasonsguideservice.com. Or you can just call me Jason Lesmeister with any questions at 907-351-3036. That's Jason Lesmeister at 907-351-3036. Perfect. Yeah, I'll make sure to tag you in our Instagram post that I'll be posting up here hopefully today or tomorrow. Make sure everyone can see your uh, page and all the fish you catch. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. Bye. So, end of the first episode, had an awesome time with Jason, and we're going to be having a few social media sites that hopefully you guys can check out. I'll have our Instagram rolling here, our Facebook, Living the Guide Life, Instagram, Living the Guide Life, and I'm going to make a special Facebook group called Living the Guide Life Podcast, and kind of what I'm hoping for it is to be a spot where people can go in and ask guides from all around the continent and ask them questions that 
they need to hear before they go on a certain guide trip or they're looking to go on a guide trip. It's a nice, easy way to find a guy that they're looking for. So hopefully you guys can check out all three of those sites. And thanks again for listening.